May the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. It is a most unfortunate reality in life that when we are most in need of learning, we are least amenable to it. Um, it's not the special privilege of young people, but they do sometimes um, seem to have a, a quality of defiance that sometimes wears out on us. But we all do it. We all um, reject or are resistant to learning sometimes when we most need it. And so we, in our pride, refuse sage advice, oftentimes instead of considering it. I know this only too well, both from my own stubbornness and from the four young men who grew up in my household. Um, we have uh, demonstrated this over and over. And being a preacher and a former lecturer, and I still do some lecturing as well, I've often heard my son say things to me like, it's not Sunday, Dad, you know, or save it for your class, you know, this isn't the time. Um, it, it's funny that we use the word sermon and insult Unless we're talking about an actual sermon or an actual lecture, we use these these words almost derisively, don't we? I mean, it's almost insulting whenever we use the word, unless we're talking about an actual sermon or an actual lecture. You know, like, the last thing I need right now is another lecture. Or, stop, I don't need you to preach, you know, uh, please, I don't need to hear that. And I guess some of the credit has to go to preachers and lecturers. You know, there have been way too many pedantic sermons and way too many condescending lectures. Uh, times where persnickety kind of uh, uh, you know use of, of, of minutia and, and what, whatever. Preachers who have droned on and on. I'm not naming names here, and neither are you. Um, but we do this, right? And it gives sermons and lectures a bad name. Last thing I need right now is another lecture. Uh, I remember when I was a teenager, Madonna had a song, Papa Don't Preach. The last thing I need is another sermon. But in fact, sometimes we do need a sermon and not just on Sunday. I know a fellow who was at a family reunion one time. He told me, this is 20 years ago or so. He's at a family reunion and one of his friends, one of his friends, one of his cousins told a, um, a, a kind of racially insensitive joke. And my friend said, I felt like really awkward for that moment, you know, of, you know, I didn't laugh at it because it was offensive. But do I say something about it? And so he said, I did. I decided it would be wrong to be silent. I told my cousin, you know, that's inappropriate. It's not Christ-like at all. And he said his cousin's response was, all right, save it for Sunday, preacher. You know, get it later. But sometimes we do need sermons and not just in a church. And sometimes we need lessons And not just in a classroom. Most of life is learned outside of a classroom, isn't it? And it's only our pride. I don't need another sermon. I don't need another lecture. Well, (laughs) sometimes we do. Sometimes we do need another sermon. And we do need another lecture. Because we have poor thinking. Sometimes our thinking needs to be corrected. Sometimes, I know, perish the thought... We need to change our minds. You know, sometimes we need to rethink. When Jesus' first words that he proclaims in Mark's gospel, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Metanaeo, to have an afterthought, rethink, to, 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 you know, correct our thinking. And you know what we would say to Jesus? 
Save it for Sunday. <laughs> no, we need it at other times. The book of Ecclesiastes we've been working through for some number of weeks, and we finally come here to the end of it. And I suggested that in some ways we could look at Ecclesiastes like a collection of lectures, like some student who took copious notes and put them down and, and kind of formed them for us as if the, the teacher himself was giving it. And, and that maybe this teacher was, was perhaps, as he identifies himself, the king of Israel. And the king of Israel calls up the, the local academy, what would be the kind of forerunner of a university, and says, I want to talk to your students. I want to give a semester-length uh, lectures, and, and I want to do this, you know, on whatever day. And so the king does this. He, he gives this university class, what I called Life 501, a, a master's class in how to live. And he's going through many different um, uh, areas of, of inquiry. For instance, he talks about the fact that all people are mortal. He reminds his students over and over again, and this is a major theme in Ecclesiastes, if you can read this or hear this, you are mortal. I know. Nobody wants to think about that this morning. We will all die someday. And Ecclesiastes, the, the, the teacher, he wants his students to remember that. Um, he wants them to remember that though they feel invincible, they're not. They're going to die. I'm at the age where I see somebody doing something dangerous or painful, and I feel it physically. You know, when I see my sons on skateboards and they crash and they get up laughing, I'm in tears because I feel it. I feel that pain in my shoulder. I feel that, you know, bump on my head. I was watching this video the other day of this fellow whose name is Danny McCaskill, and he's a bicyclist. He likes uh, mountain biking. And he, he gets in this, uh, this uh, canoe, and he, he, he goes out to this island in the highlands of Scotland. There's nothing but a big mountain that's kind of you know, jutting up out of the water. And he climbs a mountain on his bicycle. I mean, this would be a mountain that would be hard to climb with your hands and feet. He is on the back wheel of a bicycle jumping up this mountain. Pedaling where he can, bouncing where he has to, jumping over top of these these big uh, you know chasms, and he gets to the top of the mountain, and there's a long ridge that runs down this 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 island, and he rides his bicycle down this ridge, the slightest move to one side or the other, and he goes off the sheer cliff to his death. I think he likes the danger because he forgot that he could actually die. You know, this is a real possibility. Kohelet, the teacher of Ecclesiastes, says, I hate to bring you bad news, but here it is. Someday you will die. And you have to answer a question when you get there. Was your life worth living? Did you live your life well? He has other lessons. Everyone suffers. When it's your turn, don't be surprised. <laughs> don't put too much emphasis on your career because you know what? You'll get to the end of it and you'll realize it wasn't all that. All these different lessons he has. He says that most of the pursuits of humanity end up chasing the wind. They're vanity. They're emptiness. They're a waste of time. And then the student in this little epilogue gives us the final teaching of the, of the teacher, the last lecture. And he begins it like this in, chat, in chapter 12, the, big, the very first verse. If you have your bulletin, you want to look with me. Verse 9, the very first verse in, in the Old Testament lesson. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, 
weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote the words of truth. Notice that the student is writing about the teacher. You see this? It's all in the third person. He did this, and he did this, and he did this. Uh, the teacher, the, the student is, is, um, he's enamored with the teacher, and he, he, he admires him so, so that he, he writes down what it is the teacher has done. But it's more than just admiring him. Look at verse 11. The words of the wise are like goats, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. The ESV translates as capital S shepherd. They're like goes, like cattle prods. <laughs> the words of the teacher are like cattle prods and like nails firmly fixed. Why? Because they're not just his words. This is the word of God. And so the, the student says, I realize whilst listening to him that he is not just giving us wisdom, his wisdom. He's giving to us the very word of God. And it's unlike any other teacher, any other teaching. And so he says this, he realizes this, and he switches to the first, back to the first person, the speaker, the teacher now speaking, verse 12. My son, beware of anything beyond these words, the words of Scripture. Of the making of many books, there is no end. And, the, and much, is, much study is weariness of the flesh. I looked and I have like six books. On Ecclesiastes alone, I have in my possession six books on this one little book. Um, and I don't have very many. I mean, there are other people. I, I have on the, on the Gospel of Luke dozens of books. Uh, you know, there are many, many books out there. And I love books. I mean, I, I love books. They are my friends. I have on my shelf writings from the, the first century church fathers. I can, I can sit there and pull off somebody from, you know, the 200s and, and read um, Clement of Alexandria, for instance, or, or, or Ignatius of Loyola. I, I, can, I can read these ancient um, uh, philosophers and theologians. Or I can sit in my chair with a, a glass of wine and a cherry pipe and read T.S. Eliot. Or C.S. Lewis. And have great conversations with learned people. I talk to them. They only talk back to me through words. <laughs> Unless you think I'm totally insane. But these are, these are my friends. The teacher says there are a lot of books. And I don't think he's deprecating them. I think he's saying pay attention to the book. Don't allow your many books to outweigh the book. Keep this one as the primary learning this is, um, John Wesley said, he was a homo unis libri, a man of one book. And he was a university scholar. He read many, many books. Even said that in Latin. <laughs> How ironic it is. It, there are many books, but there's only one book. That's all prelude to the last lecture. The last lecture is very short, just a couple of verses, a couple of sentences. And again, the, the student allows the teacher to speak for himself. Verse 13, the end of the matter, all that has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of humanity. The word duty doesn't appear in the actual, trans, in the actual Hebrew. It actually is this kohadam, the, the whole of humanity. 
Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole of being human. Not just duty, obligation, but it's the whole of real life. It's the whole of life. I think the teacher, Kohelet, the preacher of Ecclesiastes, would ask a question. Do you want to be happy? Do you want contentment? Do you want peace? Well, there's only one way. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God, not in terror, not fleeing, not um, not frightened because God is capricious or arbitrary, for God is not. Not terrified because God is irrational or hysterical and just flies off the handle. But fear God because God is powerful, holy, unlike any other. Right now, in Florida and Georgia and South Carolina, people are bracing. Oh, my word. Have you seen this storm that's heading our way? That storm is powerful and it's frightening. God's power cannot even be compared to that hurricane, that small blip in the history of the world, not even close to the power of the Creator God. Be careful. Fear God. Pay attention. Give God His due weight and keep His commandments because His commandments are not burdensome. Oh, read through the 119th Psalm sometime. 119th Psalm was the ABCs for children in Hebrew. They were to learn their alphabet. And while they were learning their alphabet, they learned these little poems that are about loving God's commandments. Not, not keeping them because I have to. Not doing it out of a sense of duty. God has these, you know... Arbitrary laws, you know, this, this is what I want you to do. I have no reason for it. No, all of God's commands are good for us. That's why we keep them. Keep the commandments of God because they're in your own good self-interest and in mine. Ellen Davis sort of sums up uh, this last lecture of the Kohelet saying this. She says, Kohelet takes the grand tour of life and in the end comes up with no genuinely new sources of meaning for human life. For all his genuine sophistication, Kohelet's final wisdom is the same teaching he learned as a child at home. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. A few years ago, I was um, a full-time professor at Ohio Christian University, and I came across this lecture given by this uh, fellow named Randy Puch. Excuse me, Randy Puch. Pouch. That's how you say it. Pouch. Randy Pouch. Um, he was a, a professor at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, and he taught computer science. Um, at the time of the last lecture that he gave, this, uh, he gave, I think he was 45 years old, and um, every year at Carnegie Mellon they have this uh, event. It's uh, it's the last uh, you know kind of convocation of the of the year. They have all the senior students together in in the auditorium, and, and a professor is selected. If hypothetically you had a last lecture to give, what would you say to your students? And Randy Pauk was asked to give this last lecture this year, 2007, I believe it was. And he gets up to tell about the last lecture and remind the students what it's about. And he says, you know, this is a hypothetical event usually about your last lecture. What would you say to your students? He said, but in this case, it's not hypothetical at all because I have pancreatic cancer and my doctor has told me that I only have months to live. He was the picture of health to look at him, strong, vibrant, But he put this CAT scans up on the screen so everybody could see that indeed he was telling the truth. His last lecture, then, he began to go into the content, and that is what I found so amazing. 
because it was the conspicuous absence of his area of expertise. He did not talk about computers or science or about, you know, the wonders of electron uh, flow theory or about uh, the beauty of semiconductors. He didn't talk about anything other than that except for to say that he had a lot of fun working with computers. He talked about life and how to live life well. He talked about being happy and having a sense of adventure, about being a Tigger and not an Eeyore. Um, he talked about, uh, I feel bad for the Eeyores. He talked about uh, being kind to people and being compassionate, about being respectful and being humble. At the end of the lecture, he says to the students, he says, um, and as important as I think all of this information is for you, I'm not even giving it for you. I'm giving it for three people. And he put up on the screen this picture of him out on a swing set. One of his children is on his shoulders and two of his children are underneath his arms. And he says, I'm giving it for them. I don't know if Randy Powell understood how close his last lecture was to the one given by Kohelet. But indeed it was. Recognize your maker and live rightly. Do these two things because that is all that matters. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.